You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Today is August 14th, and we have a special guest. That's the same special guest that we had last week. His name is Sergeant Bryce Herring. He's a sergeant with Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. How are you doing today, Sergeant? I'm absolutely wonderful. Good, good. Well, Sergeant Bryce has been here last week, and this week we're going to continue to talk about um, issues that arise with interaction uh, when interaction occurs with uh, law enforcement officers. And um, we talked quite a bit last week about um, traffic stops and just, you know, what happens in a normal course of uh, a situation that you would pull uh, a citizen over. And today we want to talk about concealed carry license. And, um, you know, I think a, probably a lot of people, do we have any statistics on how many people have concealed carry license have you ever read anything about that, Tony? I haven't, but second right amendments are huge, and um, I, I would not imagine that the number is pretty high. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's just an interesting situation. There are a lot of people that have concealed carry license. Obviously, they're, they're law-abiding citizens. They've gone to that, you know, step of, of getting a license to carry and conceal it. Um, what are the situations, Sergeant, where uh, you— uh, where you, I mean, can you go into a bar if you have a gun and I, it's concealed? Uh, I looked up the stats, and yeah. apparently in July 2016, uh, it was reported 14.5 million people had concealed handgun license permits. In Texas and or United States? United States. Oh, and wow. then as of May 2017, it's gone up to 15.7. Wow. Thank you very much. That's a big increase. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, well, tell us about the guns and concealed carry. Give us some the lowdown. Well, so in Texas, it's called license to carry. It's called an Mm -hmm. LTC. It Mm -hmm. used to be uh, CHL, concealed carry, but now it's it's gone into a license uh, license to carry because in Texas, we not only have concealed carry, but we have open carry, which is available under license. Um, There is a thing called constitutional carry in which several states have, and constitutional carry basically means no license is required for concealed carry or open carry, but Texas does require that you have a permit for concealed carry and open carry. Now, wouldn't it be better to be able to have the, uh, I guess, the concealed carry? Which is the better one to have? Which is more broad? Well, it's it, in Texas, it's it's an LTC. Okay. So that's the laws that we deal with. And there are a number, there are several other states. I think Arizona is one that mm-hmm. they have a, uh, it's, it's a constitutional carry where no mm-hmm. permit is required to carry a firearm. Okay, in Arizona? And we don't have I that think, in Texas? We don't have okay. constitutional carry in Texas? No. We, okay. We do under certain types of firearms, mm-hmm. like long guns, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like a rifle, for instance, or a shotgun. You can actually carry a uh, rifle or a shotgun uh, in public under certain certain types or certain ways, uh-huh. as long as you're not walking around pointing at people in manners to alarm. Uh-huh. Um, but that's that, what you're telling me is, is not, I just don't know enough about it. That's kind of surprising. Can you, um, so you're telling me that I could have a shotgun under some circumstances and be walking down the street. Yes. 
Really? Under yes. what circumstances? Not that well, I'd want to do pretty that. Much, pretty much any circumstance, as long as you're not carrying it and pointing at people in a manner to alarm. Really? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. Interesting. Okay, so the concealed carry, uh, which on what level is that? License to carry, you have to have that uh, for in, in certain situations. The concealed carry, explain the difference between the two. Well, the LTC, it all fits under one license in Texas. Okay. License to carry covers a concealed carry, okay. which means the firearm must be concealed okay. on your person. Now, it can accidentally be shown or, or imprinted, but it has to be concealed. In okay. other words, covered by a shirt or a cover garment in your pocket or as an ankle holster, things of this nature. Okay. Open carry means that that gun can be outwardly shown on one's belt, or shoulder holster, but it must be in a holster. Period. Okay. Now, do you, uh, forgive me for not knowing enough about this. I haven't done a lot of cases on it. Um, the open carry, where you have to have it in the holster, you need the LTC license to have that, though, correct? You, you need them for both. Okay, for both. All right. And, um, uh, you know, I have a number of clients that have been arrested for when they have a gun in their car and it's not in view. And sometimes it is in view. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, what are the laws on that, having a gun in your car? Well, having a gun in your motor vehicle um, is not illegal as long as that firearm is concealed. You do not have to have an LTC okay. or a license in Texas as long as the firearm is concealed. Mm -hmm. Now, understanding that if you are out doing bad things and you have a gun in your like car. Like if you're drunk. You're drunk committing robberies, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. other anything other than just a traffic stop, mm -hmm. then you're subject to arrest for unlawful carrying of a firearm. Mm -hmm. And most of my clients have are usually smoking pot or they're doing some kind of uh, stronger drug and they get pulled over and that gun is in their car and the gun gets taken and they're charged with uh, imp uh, illegally unlawful, unlawful, unlawful possession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the police take the gun in possession and we're going to ask you that a little bit about how that works, too, and when you can get it back and when you can't and that kind of thing. Um, okay, so when, when uh, let's say that somebody stopped and they've got, and they were speeding, okay, and then you determine that, well, let's say they were speeding. Do they have to tell you that they have a gun in their car? If they, if, under the LTC license, the recommendation is that they let us know that they have a firearm in the car. Is it required that they do? No, it is not. Okay. As far as if they don't have a license, mm -hmm. okay, if they've got one concealed in their car. Mm -hmm. Do we want to know? Absolutely. Okay. But the way I look at it is this, and the way that I've conducted traffic stops and most of the officers that I know is, the more information that you provide us freely without compromising, number one, anything that you feel that you don't need to compromise, the better off this whole thing is going to go. If I make a traffic okay. stop and I walk up and you go, hey, officer, just to let you know, I've got an LTC, I've got a pistol in the glove box. What do you want me to do? And, okay. and I may ask you, is your insurance in the glove box? And if he says yes, go ahead and get it out of the glove mm -hmm. box. I don't recommend keeping your firearm and, and your, your important documents in the same location. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that prevents you from going if i ask you for your insurance on a traffic stop mm -hmm. right and let's say that the firearm is in the glove box mm -hmm. and that is where your insurance is mm -hmm. and you don't tell me a firearm's in there and right. you open up the glove box and it starts to fall out and you reach and you grab that pistol you're in trouble 
not necessarily in trouble. That's but a bad situation, though. That makes an innocent situation worse mm-hmm. because we don't know your intent. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I can see that going badly because it, of, it, it yeah. can. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want we don't want things to end badly. That's the last thing that we want. Absolutely. Now, what about having the gun? And this has happened to one of my clients that got his gun taken away because he had other issues when he was stopped. Um, his gun was in the side of his door, like in the the area that's right that you can reach. It's sort of in view, but it's really sort of not. What What is your take on that? Now, that's or a part of that's going to be up to whatever attorney's arguing it. Uh-huh. But my thought is, is if it can't be seen from mm-hmm. just general conversation right. in an officer standing there, mm-hmm. then it is not within view. Okay. That's you, my, that was my defense. If argument. you open the door and you've got a 44 Magnum hog leg tied to right. the side of your door, right. then that may be a little bit different, but, but still the, if, there needs to be at least a caveat kind of warning to the right. officer that, before hey, if, they, if the officer asked you to step out and then it would become visible, then I would think that you'd need to say that. But that's, a, that's a legal argument, whether it was vis- whether they could, it could be seen or it couldn't. Now, the next question that kind of leads to that, and then I want to go kind of, you know, segue back into what you were talking about, is um, when somebody has a gun and they don't have a license to carry, but they have another car, that's still okay, right? Yeah, as okay. long as it's concealed. Right, as long as it's concealed. Now, right. when somebody has a gun in the car and they don't have a license to carry, is there registration in Texas? How can you determine if it's their gun or not? That seems There is, to be, there is yeah. not a registration in Texas. Okay. When you purchase a firearm from a licensed dealer, you mm-hmm. fill out a federal form called a 4473. Okay. That form stays with whoever sold you the firearm. Okay. And it is also the determination that you went through the, background the federal background check right. to buy the firearm okay. or you had an LTC which forgoes the federal background check. Okay. Oh, is that right? So if okay. you have the LTC, you don't have to have the background check. Correct. Because you've already had the background check to get the LTC. Right. That is correct. Okay, I understand. Now, that, and the reason I'm asking is because I have a number of, of individuals that have, you know, asked for my information. I haven't really looked it up yet. That had guns that were uh, pawned or, or take. there's guns hanging out there, and we don't know who the real owners were. And they may right. have been stolen or used for other purposes. And I'm trying to figure out for my own, you know, my own client base um, whether or not they should, what do you need to do when you're buying a gun to, to make sure that it's not stolen? If you're just buying it from a pawn shop. And how, as an attorney, would an attorney know, um, if once the police have gotten it, what, where that gun came from? Well, if, it, if it's being purchased from a pawn shop, there are also most likely or have to be a federal firearms license okay. dealer. Okay. So they're going to fill out the 4473, or you're going to fill that out for your background check. Even okay. in the pawn shop. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Pawn the shops, pawn shop will know. But okay. pawn okay. shops are... They have a system which they're supposed to coordinate with law enforcement and report uh, serial numbers. So if it is stolen, it goes to a pawn shop, then it can be recovered. The problem is, is and what we would like to see, is that every firearms owner takes some kind of documentation of their firearm that includes the make, model, and serial number. Mm -hmm. So if it does come up stolen, we can get this firearm into the system Mm -hmm. to help get it recovered. Right. So many guns that are reported stolen are just the make and model, mm-hmm. and they don't have any idea mm-hmm. where and the that, serial number That was the, the problem I ran into with the pawn shop, shop case that I'm working on is I don't believe that uh, they documented it at the pawn shop 
you know, I don't know what the rules are on that, but we still don't know whether the gun was stolen or not. And that terrifies me because I have a girl that, you know, that she had a, she got a gun from a pawn shop and she doesn't know if she'll get, you know, tagged with something that she didn't well, do. If a pawn shop takes in a firearm mm-hmm. and a serial number has not been reported stolen and the gun is stolen, they're not going to know. Right. And nor is law enforcement going to be able to right. enter it into NCIC. Right. And that's what we're at. Mm-hmm. As stolen. Now, the only way that they can do this is by getting with alcohol, tobacco, and firearms and putting mm-hmm. a trace on the firearm. Okay. Now, that trace entails ATF going back to the manufacturer. Okay. Oh, a lot of work. Getting a list of mm-hmm. what serial numbered firearms they had and who they, what distributor they sold them to. Okay. The distributor then will say, I sold it to ABC Guns in this city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ATF will then contact ABC Guns. So they're doing a trace all the way through. Mm-hmm. And say, who did you sell it to? And ABC Guns will say it. I sold it to DENF Gun Shop in mm-hmm. Montgomery, Texas. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And then Montgomery, Texas will come back and say, on such and such a date, I sold this to John Doe. Mm-hmm. And then they'll contact John Doe if they can find him. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, six years ago, I was walking through uh, a gun show, and I sold it to a guy for cash. Okay. And that's why we were having Mm. problems. And I guess I had tried to do a trace through the ATF, but because I'm not, I guess, uh, law enforcement. Correct. uh, Just as an attorney, even though we like to think we're officers of the court and law, I had no rights to get in there. And so... Who has the authority? It would be law, law enforcement. Law enforcement does. And then some, I guess the ATF would, would be able to trace it. Right. And they do that primarily when it when a gun is used in a crime or found mm-hmm. in a crime scene. Uh, like any of the, the shootings that happen across the country in some of these serious shootings, that they'll, they'll do a trace on the gun and see okay. who it was sold And you to. see that on TV all the time mm-hmm. when they do the investigative report. I just didn't know how it worked in real life, and now we know. Well, they get it. it law enforcement goes through to get it, and then— then it becomes part of the investigative packet, and then that is done okay. through open record requests or okay. however they obtain that information. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, interesting. We are going to take a quick break. Uh, we're here with Sergeant Bryce Herring, and we're talking about concealed carry today. And after the break, we'll talk more about concealed carry when you can and cannot carry a gun. We'll be right back. Our talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out IRLoneStar.com sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Today, we are here with Sergeant Bryce Herring from the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office, and we are talking about concealed carry license and 
what you can and cannot do. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit more about traffic stops and having a concealed weapon in the car and say they've got a license. Well, you know, what happens before we do that? What happens if they don't have a license and they got a gun in the car? Well, if they're following the, the state law by keeping it concealed and they don't do anything foolish with it, nothing. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. And this is what we tell people. If you if you let us know what's going on, we'll tell you what you we want you to do. We don't want you to reach over and grab a hold of it. Hey, I got a gun in the car and reach over and grab it up, pull it up and show me. I don't want to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I may end up, after it's all over with, talking to you about guns or shooting or whatever the case may be, but right. that doesn't mean I want you grabbing a hold of that pistol. Right. Or that rifle, if it's in, if it's an open view, or that shotgun, and show me anything about it. I don't want you to touch it. I don't want something innocent to turn bad. Right. Nobody does. Right. Okay. So, um, what about uh, as a permit holder? Where can they carry a gun, and where they can't? Are there places that permit holders cannot have guns? There are. Um, all those are lined out in uh, in the concealed carry regs. When you take your license to carry, um, they'll tell you where you can and cannot take them. Plus, if it's a business uh, that does not want a firearm in their business, they have certain regulations on how it should be posted, and that's a, what they call a 30-06 or 30.06 regulation. Or for open carry, uh, 30.07, which is 30.07, and it will tell you who is allowed and who is not allowed to carry a weapon. Which makes begs the question, okay. what if somebody goes into the restaurant or a church or whatever it may be? Um, I, I don't know what, the, what all the regulations are, but what if they go in with their gun and it's discovered and that owner calls the police or law enforcement asking that they be removed or give it up and they won't? What happens next? Well... There is, a, there is part of the statute for going in a place and not seeing, because sometimes the people that put up those notices aren't exactly get them up in the right, right spot. Right, right. So it's called, it's called criminal trespass by a license holder. Okay. But that only happens if, when asked, they refuse to leave. Just like regular trespass. That they're, Correct. Okay. And they refuse to leave, then the, the owner or whoever is asking you to leave, can they just go put their gun back in their you know, yeah, far. if they if they want to, they can go put it back in their mm-hmm. in their vehicle, and then come back into whatever facility okay. that it's supposed to be. Now there are some that are posted that you're not supposed to take them to, and you should know better to go right, into some right. of them anyway, like schools, schools, school. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but other than other than that, it'll have it'll have a posting, mm-hmm. and if you don't see it, because sometimes some of these facilities have other doors people can come and go from, mm-hmm. right? And they realize out at the front or on another side, there's a posting. And they can argue its validity all day long. <laughs> but if the owner of the property comes up and says, I'm sorry, you got to go, now, you got to go. What if the owner of the property doesn't right. have the posting, but they just don't want the gun in their premises? Would that be the same thing if they said, it's not posted, but I'm asking you to leave or to bring your, take your if, gun out? If an, just like anything else, if, the, if an owner of a restaurant or property or any other facility doesn't want you there or the person who's in care, custody, and control of it mm-hmm. tells you to leave, <laughs> you, better you, leave. you need to leave. Okay. Right. I mean, that's... It's not your building. Yeah, not I haven't your... done that before. I'm just asking for my clients who seem yeah, to always have attitudes. It's, 
it's, it's not, <laughs> not their business. If, if it's a private business mm-hmm. and they walk up and say, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, you got to leave. Mm-hmm. Just like we've been watching in the news lately in Washington and the politics and all that. You've okay. got to leave. Okay. I'm, good to that's know. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Just good manners, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there are a number of situations in which good manners will get you a heck of a lot farther when dealing with us than bad manners mm-hmm. or trying to push an em- push the envelope mm-hmm. to the point of giving trying to argue some legal position that's just really absurd uh, you know unnecessary mm-hmm. common sense will rule out in manners okay well i have a question what if you carry a concealed weapon and you don't have a permit you're out walking and something happens and and you're stopped by law enforcement and they have a gun and they have no permit. That's unlawful carrying of a weapon. Mm-hmm. You can be charged for such. Okay. Okay. Now, there are some caveats to that. Number one is if you're on your own property, say a farm or ranch or whatever, you're out in the field or whatever, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can carry a firearm on your own property. Right. Can you home, fire a gun on your own property? Huh? Can you fire a gun on your own property? You can with with exceptions, you know, not within city limits. I know mm-hmm. in the city limits of Conroe you can't. Mm-hmm. I know that in the county you can't fire a gun on your own property unless you have 10, 10 acres, acres or more, mm-hmm. and it has to be not part of a plotted subdivision. Got it. Mm-hmm. So all of these, all these things come into place. Mm-hmm. And when you're shooting out in the country, you need to make sure what your target is and what's beyond it. You don't want to be shooting at a tree and then half a mile down the road. There's a house. There's a house mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. send a couple of rounds through the wall of the house into mm-hmm. the washing machine. Yeah. Okay. Been there, I've been there, seen that. Mm-hmm. So it Not can logical. happen. Mm-hmm. You know. um, so then then if, if you stop somebody on the street for some reason and they have a gun and they have no per- license to carry, then likely they would get a citation for unlawful carrying of a no, handgun. No, unlawful carrying of a, of a weapon is is an arrestable offense. It's oh, okay. not a citation. Okay. Now, oh. if they're in a motor vehicle and the, and the gun is concealed mm-hmm. in the car, lawfully concealed, there's no violation. Mm-hmm. Okay? All right? Now, there are some other exceptions to this. There are, you know, going to and from a hunting ra- or a shooting range and things of this nature, which right. is all lined out in Chapter 46 of the Texas Penal Code. Okay, okay. and That's, you can Google that. You can Google that, and it comes up statutes, capital Texas, dot G-O-V, mm-hmm. and it will give you, I've got it pulled up right now, the whole Chapter 46, and it will tell you what the definition of everything is mm-hmm. and tell you when and you when and when and you can't carry a weapon. Even if it doesn't have ammunition in it? Ammunition doesn't make any difference. Okay, just wanted to make sure because I can see my clients saying, "But it didn't it wasn't have even loaded. In it. mm-hmm. It's not a real gun because it's not loaded." Well, it's a real gun, <laughs> okay. And when you're pointing a gun at somebody, oh, that's how right. are you going to know whether it's loaded or not? Mm-hmm. So true. And the only way that you can tell that a revolver is unloaded is to either open the cylinder. If you can see the rounds from the side, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you might have to look straight down the cylinder, which means you're going to be looking down the barrel of the gun to tell mm-hmm. that it's not any rounds in it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know if there's not one right in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, that just makes me. That's a, that's a silly argument. 
just the, I know it has probably, I'm kind of going off on a tangent a little bit, but the kid that had the gun that looked real that was up in the north somewhere that got killed by police because his gun looked real, but it wasn't a real gun. I mean, that seems to me that would put, that's, would just, that's unwise to, to even have something that pretend like that you'd be carrying because you could be using it to commit crimes. And just like you were saying. Every, I don't, I, I have two firearms, not firearms, but airsoft firearms. Mm-hmm. Uh, one um, was taken off a bad guy many years ago mm-hmm. that looks like a full-size 1911. It looks real. Mm-hmm. Handles like it. Slide works. Magazine comes out. Really? The red tip's been removed, so it looks real. Mm-hmm. Um, I have purchased airsoft firearms in the past mm-hmm. that the only way that you could tell the difference is the red tip. And the bad guys are painting them mm-hmm. black or stainless oh, or so whatever. So you can still can. be arrested because obviously you've done that for a reason if you have that. Okay. Correct. It looks like it. looks like it. Then you're, then, okay. You know, if you use it in a crime, yes. Mm-hmm. So all you teenagers believes. that think that you can, you know, go play, you know, cops and robbers, please do not. <laughs> Air, Airsoft is, is, is a fun toy. It is a toy. But it is a toy that has, unfortunately, in the past, cost people dearly mm-hmm. because they pulled them out. And you can't tell the difference. Right. That's what happened to that kid. You literally cannot tell the mm-hmm. difference between some of the airsoft firearms, airsoft guns that are out there and mm-hmm. real firearms. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? We want you to walk us through. I don't know when we're going to take a, our next break here. But we want you to walk us through um, from the time that you're called. We think our listeners will dispatched. think this is yeah, interesting. When you're dispatched, what happens? From the time you're dispatched. Mm-hmm to turning the case over, whatever it is, to the district attorney. And so, for example... uh, Shoplifting. Shoplifting. Okay. We get... That's that's probably one of the more common uh, arrest titles that are out there, shoplifting. Mm -hmm. So when we get a call of a shoplifter uh, that usually is is detained by whatever company's loss prevention, Mm -hmm. once we arrive, then there are several things that take place. Uh, we're dispatched by the call comes into our call center in Conroe, and then it's dispatched to us, to the officer out there on the street. Mm-hmm. The officer gets that call, and depending on where he is, they have the arrival time. So once they arrive on scene, their job is to gather the evidence to the crime that's been committed, whether it is video, uh, still photographs, pictures of merchandise, statements from the individuals that detained the person that was arrested for or detained for shoplifting, and to see what that crime actually is because there are several degrees of theft. Mm-hmm. If you've been arrested for theft before and convicted, then that goes up to a higher degree, so on and so forth. So all that's determined before you leave. A case number is generated, in other words, a report number. And then that is given to the individuals that made the detained the subject for the shoplifting. That individual is taken into custody and transported to either our holding facility in East County, South Montgomery County, or to the main jail in Conroe. And depending if there's any issues or not, whether or not we have to make a stop by the hospital uh, for clearance for any medical problems or anything else that they may have. Once there, they are booked in and turned over to the jail staff. Okay. Okay. So after they're booked in, then it's the officer's responsibility to complete an offense report. Okay. That offense report basically says who, what, where, why, 
when, and how. Right. Okay. This offense occurred. All of this is put into a report form, then that is uh, submitted to the supervisors for their approval. Any corrections that are made. And if it's an immediate arrest, then that case file within a couple of days is taken up to the district attorney's office. Okay. And presented to the district attorney's office for the attorneys to do whatever attorneys do <laughs> with that case. Okay. okay. So if you're arrested and you're booked and charged and put in jail, it may be that your case won't be taken by the district attorney. You don't know that as officer or usually, usually if we make an arrest, we, uh, it used to be years ago, the officers making the arrest determined what the charges were. Mm -hmm. And then, then they went to the district attorney's office and gave them a packet of the charges. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we get, Approval from the DA's office, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Whenever we're making an arrest, other than a Class C misdemeanor, mm -hmm. we have a DA that is, or an ADA that is um, working at our facility in Conroe. Oh, okay. And we call them on the phone. We run down the circumstances mm -hmm. of the detainment or the arrest. Okay. And we tell them what we have, and they either approve that or recommend a different charge. Okay. Or say, I'm sorry, we don't have anything. Okay. You need to cut them loose. That makes perfect sense because it usually happens really fast from the time of the arrest that they know what they're being charged with. And seldom have I seen that change. It's usually pretty much on point, which would make the police officers almost uh, aligned or akin to the attorney. So, because they know exactly what to charge. Yeah. Well, for the most part, most of the deputies and police officers out there know, you know, what to charge people right. with. Um, we all have the availability right. of the internet now, so we mm -hmm. all have the penal code right there. So mm -hmm. if we have That's to, right. we can take a minute and look at a charge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see okay. how it fits. Um, let me see. So um, I guess the next question is, uh, I don't, uh, you had talked, this is probably a little bit off the beaten track, just a little tad, but you had talked about the seven points of contact. Is there? No, we were, we were talking about, we might want to wait because we've got a break coming okay. up. Okay. <laughs> but after you. we get back, we might want to talk about the uh, the, viol the, the seven point violator contact, right? How what we're supposed to ask, right? And how traffic stops are supposed to be conducted on the police side towards the violator and not the violator. And that seems that would go also with not just traffic stops, but if you come to someone's house, right? But well, it's, it's different when different. you go to somebody's house. But we have a seven point violator contact that we have okay. with the sheriff's office, and it's pretty much standard across the country okay. for the most part. Uh, and But just briefly before we go to break, so we have uh, the case report, the individual is detained, they're booked, they're turned into the jail staff, and that's when they go before the judge? Yeah, they'll go before the judge while they're in the jail. They'll go through PC court, mm -hmm. and they'll go before the judge. Then. Which is probable cause court. Right. And um, a lot sometimes it's on the video. In fact, many times it's on the video, so they're not leaving the jail. And I guess one other thing, maybe you may or may not know this, um, uh, the, the answer does, does everyone get the issued the little jumpsuit or not? Or is, is understanding that in my entire career in law enforcement, I have never worked one solid day in the jail okay. as <laughs> either a corrections deputy or a jailer. But yes, they get the they get the little cute suits. I think everybody gets dressed out if they're the going to be there. The girls are pink and white, and the guys. Are and then when they when they go before the judge, that's when their bond is set. And mm -hmm. yeah, the judge and, takes care of all that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes okay. the DA's office gives a recommendation. 
Okay. You know, a first-time offense for a Class B misdemeanor may be $500 bond. I have so many PR bonds coming yeah. out of first-time offenders with low charges. It's crazy. It just it just depends mm-hmm. on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to go for a quick break, and we will be right back after the break with Sergeant Bryce Herring. Remember to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on your computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. Lone Star Community Radio broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stuff podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Uh, We are here today talking with Sergeant Bryce Herring from the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office, and he's been giving us some valuable insight on interactions with uh, law enforcement, concealed carry, when you can and can't carry a gun, how to interact with law enforcement when you do have a gun, what happens if you don't have a license to carry. And um, so great, great insight about what happens. So just right before this break, we were just talking about uh, he walked us through what happens when he gets dispatched. Uh, for example, shoplifting is what he gave. Mm-hmm. Um and from the time that the case is turned over to the assistant district attorney or the district attorney's office. Um, I want to just ask you one thing about shoplifting, since that seems to be kind of a junior high, middle school. There's a lot of that going on with these little, you know, uh, kids that aren't, that are teenagers that think they can get away with it. Um, is that usually a notice situation or are they turned over to their parents or what do you typically do in that situation? When you're talking about a juvenile, mm-hmm. um, it depends on the amount of theft. Mm-hmm. If the theft is under $100, it can be taken care of with a citation. Okay. Um, and But if it, if a juvenile is arrested, mm-hmm. even for a Class C, they're going to be released to their parents. Okay. Now, if it's greater than a Class C, uh, Class B misdemeanor, over $100, there is also the possibility that they could be placed into juvenile detention. Okay. So there are circumstances in which we release them to their parents mm-hmm. and file the case with the district attorney's office. Mm-hmm. With the juvenile division and let them go through the court system mm-hmm. or we take them through the, to the juvenile detention facility and drop them off mm-hmm. for them to have somebody else to play with for a day or two right and i think that's pretty good just for a lesson learned so they won't do it again a lot of times if it's just you know what a learning experience that they didn't get taught in church or school or by their parents or whatever it may be or they just decided to act out. Maybe their parents taught them don't steal, but they decided their best friend sort of wanted that to steal. Rider kind of thing. Right. She had like felony amounts. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little just, different. You know, we arrest way more adults for oh, do you shoplifting really? than mm-hmm. we do juveniles. Do you way really? more adults than, than, than juveniles? 
Yes. Hmm. That's very, very common, almost hmm. daily. Really? Wow. Okay. And um, wow. I think uh, uh, I, I I wanted to kind of go on, just ask you one question about uh, when when a family Uh-oh. calls, uh, when you have a family violence call. Like, I get those all the time with my own clients calling me where you have a dispute between husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, something happens where there's a, a fight at a house. So when you're approaching a house and you've got a, a dispatch for a family violence issue, some a wife has caused her an argument, how does that go and how do you approach it and what is your feeling about that? Again, it all depends on the circumstances of the call, whether it's nothing more than an argument or if there is obvious violence in progress. Or maybe alcohol or... Well, these are all factors that mm-hmm. are determined once we get on scene, whether it was an argument, whether there was physical violence involved, mm-hmm. whether there are weapons involved, whether there's alcohol and drugs involved, who was the aggressor or who was not the aggressor, or if both parties were the aggressor. Mm-hmm. So all these factors take place during the investigation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are people. Sometimes they don't tell the truth and it's up to the deputy and deputies that are on scene right. to try to make heads or tails out of exactly what's going on. Because right, I get a lot of clients that I know that in a fight, they'll pick up the phone and call 911 as sort of a weapon right. when they're really just trying to say, leave this house, I'm mad because you're a cheater. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of those, uh, defense-wise and otherwise. And right. I didn't well, know how understand that once a 911 call is initiated, mm-hmm. the other party cannot interfere with that 911 call right mm-hmm. and that or that becomes an offense right and i've had them i've had those charges also where they've tried to take the phone and then and they're that, arrested that becomes mm-hmm. an offense no matter what the nature or the reason why they're calling 911 especially in a family violence mm-hmm. removing that phone from the other person's hand while mm-hmm. that 911 call is in progress mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes that call may have not gotten all the way through. It just rings once on the right. other side mm-hmm. and they hang up. But as long as that call was initiated. Someone's coming out. Somebody's coming out. And if that call was initiated, even for one ring, and we can show that a 911 call was made and the other person stopped it, that is a chargeable offense. Okay. So that means I know that y'all love birds out there. They get in a fight. Somebody may call 911 when things are better now. But do not try to take the phone away from the person because if i can they see decide that happening to call 911 yeah. just let them do it okay. look if we have if we go to arguments all the time i had i can only imagine how many an argument is an argument is an argument right unless it involves physical violence okay okay we may separate the parties we may, may tell tell them to go get counseling we may tell them to grow up a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows mm-hmm. but it, an argument is just that it is an argument okay don't let things escalate to something that brings forth a lot more charges because, you know, today the topic is a lot is on firearms. Mm-hmm. A family violence conviction does affect your ability if you have an LTC to continue, continue mm-hmm. to carry your firearm right. and even own firearms in, this, in, in the country. Very right. significant. I work yeah. on those all the time, Me and too. I know that, so I have to really defend when there's just a little lovebird argument because somebody is trying to get the phone because they want to see the text messages. That seems to be the biggest thing right now is they'll have an argue over text just, messages. Just let it go. It's not worth it. Fight it out in court. If they later. want to have text messages, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's significant. And the ability to, you know, uh, domestic violence is a crime of moral turpitude in Texas. And so there are all sorts of agencies that you have to report to and also your ability to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes away actually you can't well domestic violence affects everybody in the household right. it affects the the both parents the children 
everybody in the household. So that's it, it's just not a good thing. I no. mean, and I've been married for 30, 34 years, and my wife and I have had an argument or two. <laughs> okay? mm-hmm. And she's right. Okay. Happy wife, mm-hmm. happy life. There that's really she's been always, the success for our marriage. always right. Yep. <laughs> right. So arguing is okay, but there's a difference between a physically violent right. argument. There's never, a, as my clients tell me, you should never put hands on each other. It's really not necessary, unless it's in a loving way. <laughs> okay, well, we not have... Not even going there. Yeah. <laughs> we have a couple of... Uh, we have a few minutes left. We have about five minutes left, I think. A little bit more than five are there any uh, interesting stories that you can tell us? No? Well, there are, but... Uh, but I have some questions that he doesn't have to disclose all his interesting stories. Okay. The seatbelts, about, because I know I wear my seatbelt. Uh, I take it, I don't wear it like right. I'm supposed to because I don't want to mess my clothes up. And when the cop, an officer's driving down the road, um, I'm like, well, I've got my seatbelt on. They can't stop me. Me too. Tell us about that. Me How too. can you okay. even see it? Number one, there is a seatbelt law in the state of Texas. Yes. The only time that you are not required to wear a seatbelt, as far as just the standard motoring public, is when you have a notice from your physician that says that wearing a seatbelt is harmful to you. Oh, okay. Okay. And then you would just show that to the police officer. Just show that when, mm-hmm. when he stops you. Mm-hmm. But the other violation there is is the improper use of a safety belt mm-hmm. when you are not wear, when you are not wearing it properly, mm-hmm. and that is across the shoulder and then across the chest and buckled in because a lot of people tuck it up underneath their arm. Yeah, I do uh-huh. that. Okay, there is there is part of the Texas statute that says that they are to be worn according to the manufacturer's uh-huh. specifications. But what if you're short? And I'm if really you look short. at your what if you wrinkle? You know, you want your shirt to yeah, wrinkle. Yeah, if you look at your owner's manual. Of your motor vehicle. Oh, it will show manual, you huh? how to wear your seatbelt. But have the officer even see if you're not wearing it right. Can they tell? Yes, yes, we okay. can tell. I think that, that they see it up right. by your head, and right? If you, if, you can't, if you can't see inside the vehicle because the windows are too dark, uh-huh. that's illegal window tinting. So mm-hmm. either way, you can get stopped. So have you seen people trying to buckle in like I do? Like you When know, they pass you? When they see you? <laughs> yes. The funniest one, though, is I stopped a guy for not wearing a seatbelt, and he had it draped across the top of his left arm, but the buckle was hanging. (laughs) And he said he was wearing his seatbelt. He just had it across one arm. But what was the purpose for doing that? Was there a reason? He was trying to be technical with the law, stating he was wearing his seatbelt. He probably just put his arm in real quick and said, I'm wearing it. And then cell phones. Um, when I, Because I'm on the phone all the time, and I'm not texting. I'll admit, because I would never do that because I would get in a wreck in a second. Right. But how do you know when somebody's not just answering their phone and not texting and that kind of thing? Well, the texting law in Texas, there's several things. One, school zones, there's no cell phone use permitted at all. At all. Unless, you can't even have your ear. Mm-hmm. unless it is for an emergency. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because your wife's upset with you is not necessarily an emergency <laughs> or mm-hmm. you've got your kids' books at school. Yes, it is. Right. It has to be a, a verified 911 type of emergency. Now, mm-hmm. you can use a hands free device like the device in your car that mm-hmm. connects to Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Right. Or a. Um, little piece that goes over the top of your ear, a little Bluetooth mm-hmm. headphone. Okay, those are permittable. Uh, you can use your cell phone while you're driving anywhere else. You just can't text. The officer has to see you texting Okay. when he's using the phone. He can't say, okay. let me see your phone to see if you're texting? Yeah, he used. they used to do that, but mm-hmm. they can't do they that. They cannot anymore. do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
And another question I have before we, we, we close out, so I've just got so many more questions, is um, you had mentioned something on our break about, that I thought was very important, action versus inaction. And when, when they're, you're, Action you're, versus reaction. Reaction, right. Okay. One of the things that when we were talking about guns and cars and people carrying guns and open carry and things of this nature and then dealing with law enforcement in general, is one thing that we want everybody to understand is if you follow the instructions, especially if you're carrying a firearm, if you follow the instructions of the officer, keep your hands where I can see them. Do not move. Stand still. If you're told to get on the ground, you get on the ground. You do it right then. Bad things happen when you do things against the instructions. Because trust me, we don't want to hurt you. But we want to go home at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't want to stand there because you have a gun and you're trying to use it against us because of our own inaction, we get hurt. So we want everybody, we would rather take everybody into custody and never have to do anything bad to anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, the example that you were telling us about was when you're telling them the instructions and they're trying to argue with you. Hey, listen, we have to go, but we want to thank Sergeant Bryce Herring, Montgomery County Sheriff's Department, for being our guest for these last two shows. And we want to remind you to listen live on Tuesdays, 12 to 1, and... Don't argue with police officers and serve God by serving others. (laughs) Thank you, Sergeant Herring. You're welcome.